0: No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore, featuring a huge selection of hobby and family strategy board games for sale, from old favorites to the newest releases, plus a library of over 400 board games for open play to keep you entertained. Find your crowd at one of our Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Dungeons & Dragons events and tournaments, or our board game and RPG after-school programs for grades 1-12. through We also offer a full-service cafe with food and drink, coffee and desserts, beer and wine with fun and friends. Main Street Board Game Cafe is at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, New York. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Phones down, heads up, and unplug your game. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Coming to you uh, today. Changed it up a little bit, not using my son's bedroom down in the office today. Um, it's uh, the off day between Games 4 and Games 5. Didn't look like for a little bit there would even be a Game 5 between Islanders Capitals, which, um, you know, when I think when we recorded last week, can't imagine anybody would have said, yeah, the Islanders are going to sweep. So that for the fans that are have been freaking out in the comments uh, on my story or on my timeline on Twitter. Uh, As Barry Trotz also said, if anybody was going to predict a quick series before this started, it probably would have been for the Caps and not the Islanders. So that maybe can allow everybody to take a deep breath today. Um, We'll start off looking back at the first four games, which outside of uh, probably the last 45 minutes of game four have been uh, nothing but positive for the Islanders. It's... um, It was starting to look, especially uh, the first nine, ten minutes of uh, game four, like the Caps were ready to leave the bubble. Um, Maybe that they were ready to leave the bubble even before they got there, since uh, if they'd lost last night, they would have gone out, I think, winning one of the seven games that they played, including the round robin. But, But, you know, it's the Caps. They've been champs and division champs uh recently for a reason and um their big players really stepped to the fore and uh, the islanders looked a little uh, you know i think the way that they play you know everyone uh, some comments from from people who are watching saying they look tired and they did but i think the way that the islanders play that grinding style that makes everybody else look tired and discombobulated um bounces back on them pretty quickly when they fall behind or when they start to get a little bit out of sorts because that's a hard way to keep playing um you know Cal Clutterbuck went out for the third period and late in the second, after a low hit from Radko Uh Barry Trotz uh, just said this afternoon uh, from Toronto that uh, the Islanders did not practice today Wednesday, um, but he said Clutterbuck assured him he'd be fine. And I think if you're uh, you've been an Islander fan for more than just uh, a little while here, you you can think back to at least a dozen, maybe even more times that Cal Clutterbuck. Took a big hit or threw a big hit or st- took a, you know, put a skate in a rut and missed a third period of a game but was right back there for the next game. So, this time of year, um, especially with his, uh, his surgically repaired back feeling good um, and hopefully uh, the rest of him feeling good from his skate cut from December uh, on his wrist, um, hopefully it's not related to either of those things and it's just the general wear and tear that happens for a guy who's been doing what he's been doing in the league for a decade but uh, it is familiar territory. And Trot said he, uh, Clutterbuck assured him he's, he's feeling okay. So it sounds like everybody will be available for, for game five. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but still looking back um, at a 3-1 series lead, you know, right from the start of game one, it felt like, you know, the Caps did take a 2 nothing lead in that game, but it, Everything felt like it was coming very in a very difficult manner for the Caps. Uh, you know, They had a couple power play goals by T.J. Oshie in each of the first two periods of Game 1, where the Islanders gave them, I think, seven power plays, and six of those came in the first 35 minutes. So that's obviously a correctable issue for the Islanders, and they did end up correcting it in the next few games. But, um, but it still felt like uh, when the game was being played five-on-five, five, as rare as it was, that the Islanders were ready for it and the Caps were not. Um, and that may have something to do with the Islanders having played in the qualifying round and the caps having only played in the round robin. You can, you can diagnose it a million different ways, but really, you know, the biggest danger for any team facing the Islanders is that the Islanders would get to that, that grinding ugly in your face style as quickly as they could in the bubble. And they have, um, with the benefit of facing a Florida team that never really looked comfortable either. And, um, and the Islanders' ability to treat any opponent, whether it's uh, a team like Florida that has some skill but not a lot of depth, a team like Washington that's a you know two years ago as a Stanley Cup champion, a fairly intact team, um, to treat every opponent the same and and not worry about whether it's Alex Ovechkin or Sasha Barkov or any big name guys. Um, is really uh it's a compliment to Barry Trotz and the, and the coaching staff and the players for getting ready the way that they did and hitting the ground running when they got up to Toronto in, in this very unique environment so um you know they they kind of ground their way back into that game one and and looked really good doing it in the second and third period um they had to rally again in game two after alex ovechkin scored uh, off a, a funny bounce off the boards in the first minute didn't let it let it affect them they had a good second period there and then kind of Put the hammer down in the third period and had um, you know about a two and a half minute stretch of time where they kind of pinned the Caps in in the third period while up a goal, um, cycled through I think three different lines and ended up with Clutterbuck having a puck to defle- a JG Pajot shot deflect off him and in uh, at the end of it and it was really a, a, a master showing of um, of what the Islanders are capable of just ragging time. You know, you saw Anders Lee on his knees behind the net a couple times, keeping the puck alive. Scott Mayfield uh, allowed all four other players to change and had five caps around him, um, and uh, still can, kept control of the puck and set up a good scoring chance. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of peak Islanders hockey, and um, and they were rewarded for it with uh, with a goal, and then uh, you know what ended up being a five-two win. Game three, I think you saw the Caps getting to their game a little bit more, but Semyon Varlamov was really strong. And again, that game, you know, the Islanders maybe gave up a few more chances in Game 3 in a desperate Caps team, but it was still 1-1 at the end of regulation. Um, Islanders just weren't permitting a whole lot except uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov's power play goal. And then in overtime, uh, kind of the the bang-bang plays of Jacob Vrana being shut down on a breakaway uh, by Semyon Varlamov the Islanders controlled the puck, Derek Brassard with a nice outlet to Jordan Eberle, up ahead to Matthew Barzal who tiptoed across the blue line very um very neatly and and beat Brayden Holtby and that was that for a 3-0 series lead. It was uh it was quite a, a turnaround. Uh think of where the series might have been after game 4 had the Caps at Veronica converted on that one and um it was uh it was a big swing and um allowed the Islanders, you know, not to, I you know, certainly don't feel good about Game Four. Obviously, they didn't play very well, but uh, but at least to to shake it off and say we've been in this situation before. They were in the situation, you know, uh, a little over a week and a half ago with the Panthers, where they won two pretty stress free games to start, looked very dominant doing so. Had a couple breakdowns, gave Florida too many power plays in Game Three, looked a little loose in the third period. Had a day off and came right back and pounded the Panthers into submission in Game Four to advance. So no one's saying that that's going to happen with the Capitals. I think the Capitals have a little bit more fortitude than Florida has shown this year, but, um, but you have to like what the Islanders can do in terms of bouncing back. Um, and game five, uh, you know, it's important. It's um, you don't want to lose two in a row and really give another team life, uh, especially with games six and seven being back, potential back to backs over the weekend. Uh, could be some odd times in there, daytime, whatever uh, you don't want to, get involved in that so um, you know I think the things that you really like the most about the first four games for the islanders uh, the things that stand out Varlamov has been very good you know I, I think he was really good against Florida but it wasn't tested quite as much and and I don't think the caps outside of the of, of their power plays and maybe a couple of stretches of game th- game four rather have really tested him that severely throughout this series uh, the islanders kept the shot numbers down. Uh, the shot attempt numbers have been down too, and they've been blocking a lot. But uh, but he's been strong. Uh, you know, I thought uh, at the beginning of of game four, he made a save uh, first on Vrana, and then around you know, puck went behind the net, and he and he pushed off to get to the other side to stop Lars Eller late in the first period with the Islanders up two nothing. That was, you know, that was real, real classic goalie play um and it's not something we've seen a lot of from Verlamov in his first year as an Islander and it was uh that not just the technical side but um but good strength um he's clearly feeling good so that's obviously a plus in, in the Islanders favor uh Adam Pellick who definitely struggled a little bit in game four he was one of those guys that maybe looked a little bit A little bit gassed at times late in that game and he didn't play very much he only had 18 minutes in in game four and i think uh, that was a wise move by barry trotz to kind of limit his minutes with the team tied or trailing um because they're going to need adam pellick all the way through but he's been he's been a horse and um you know we always uh joke about uh if you know your islanders history from back uh, a few years ago when garth snow um didn't explain himself very well that's for sure but uh made a very complicated trade with with vegas uh, heading into the expansion draft gave up a first round pick um just so he could protect you know to to make an agreement with with george mcphee so that vegas would select they ended up selecting jf Barube, who was not a player they even signed but it was all in the name of protecting adam pellick ryan pollock um scott mayfield they're kind of core young defensemen and um and Pellich, I think, made people scratch their heads a little bit because he hadn't quite emerged as an NHL player, a regular NHL player, then. But uh, but I think now people see what uh, what Garth Snow saw in him, um, what Lula Amarillo sees in him now. You know, it's going to be an interesting contract negotiation after next season with a guy who's probably on the most cost effective contract in the league, considering what he's doing at one point six million per. Um, but Pellich has been the real deal, and uh, they need to keep him upright and uh, and energetic for for facing off against Ovechkin and the and the Caps top six in the in Game Five. Uh, up front, you know Matthew Barzell has had a couple of good game breaking moments. He had a nice goal too in Game Four. Um, I think he is a guy who loves to match skill against skill against some of the, the other top guys in the league. So he gets a little, definitely gets a jolt playing against Ovechkin. Um, you know, and JG Pajot had a nice goal also in game four and has been really good in the circle. Um, you know, the Brock Nelson line has still generated a lot, uh, with, with Anthony Beauvillier and Josh Bailey. Uh, there's been some, some very good signs five on five special teams, uh, struggled. The penalty kill has given up, uh, a little bit too much as usual. They gave up a, a big Ovechkin bomb that tied the game, uh, the other night. Um, and their power play is one for 19, which is awful. Um, they all liked it a little bit better in game four, but, uh, but they still, still some predictability and, uh, you know, the caps are good at anticipating things because they're a good penalty kill. But, uh, but the Islanders need to be a little bit more versatile and have a few more options in their arsenal in terms of plays. They've, when the Nelson unit is on, they tend to go a lot to, to try to feed Beauvillier in the bumper spot. And he did hit, hit the post in the crossbar, uh, in game four. But, um, he, uh, <clears throat> you know that that seems to be a spot that they're trying to force feed and really not utilizing a whole lot else. But um, you know, it's uh, it it still needs to be a little have a little bit more creativity, a little bit more ad lib ability, uh, which is really what makes the best power plays. You can have the setup really good, but uh, but if that's taken away, you have to be able to to find some other avenues. So um, you know. There's probably some conversations going on right now to make some adjustments and uh, certainly the way the Caps are playing a bit recklessly at times that they're going to be Islanders power play opportunities and they need to be able to take advantage because you know that the Caps, when, when the Caps get on the power play, it's, uh, it, it's a pretty decent chance that they're going to either create something really good or, or score a goal as they've done in the last couple games. So we'll, uh, we'll get to some thoughts uh, about Game 5 coming up, but first a message from DirecTV. So now, Game Five is coming up. Um, Islanders are still up three-one. I think they still feel confident. I think you can look back to the Florida series and see how well they responded in terms of getting to their game uh, and frustrating the Panthers in that Game Four of the qualifying round. Um, because when you're on the when you're on the brink, you know I think they can make the Caps look the way that they did at the beginning of Game One, uh, Game Four rather, where once Pajot scored that deflection goal and the Islanders were pouring it on, um, the Caps really looked like they were done. They looked like they said, okay, well, it's just not going to happen for us. Um, all scored. Todd Reardon called a pretty timely timeout and seemed to, uh, let's say, uh, excoriate his team a bit. Um, and I think their best players really stepped to the fore. You saw a lot of Ovechkin. You saw a lot of Kuznetsov after that. And they were their two best players. John Carlson, I thought, had his best game of the series. He didn't, he didn't look uh, as... Uh, as hobbled i guess as he's been before verana who uh like i said missed the breakaway in game three and overtime looked pretty good so you know then and there's still a chance now that they extend it that nick backstrom who uh according to our tarik el-bashir uh who was on the cap zoom um Rudin said that backstrom skated with the extras again today not sure what that means for tomorrow uh, we don't even have a time for tomorrow's game as of right now. It, uh, I think it depends on the Boston-Carolina result uh, later this afternoon. If the Bruins end that series, then I imagine the Islanders would go at 8. If the Bruins uh, lose that, that game and then they have a back-to-back tomorrow, they would go at 8, and the Islanders would probably go in the 3 o'clock hole tomorrow. So um, we'll see about Backstrom. Uh, if he's back, he hasn't played in a few games. You know, um, We didn't get into too much about the hit by Anders Lee on Backstrom. I didn't think it was that bad a hit. Um, it definitely was a penalty, but uh, it wasn't a, a situation where Andersley ran over Nick Backstrom or tried to, you know, uh, tried to injure him. It was, uh, he was going for a hit. I think he saw the puck wasn't there. He held up a little bit, and Andersley's a big guy, and, and Backstrom wasn't ready for it. So, uh, Caps were upset, rightly so, one of their best players, and you can see how they played without him. Um so they have—they were certainly right to be upset, but uh, there is some irony, I think, to uh, hearing guys like Tom Wilson, who uh, have no hesitation in running guys over even when the puck isn't there be- to finish a hit, and have been suspended many times for it, saying that they thought it was—it uh, was a real dangerous predatory hit. So, um, but that's irony's dead this time of year in the NHL anyway. People don't really have a lot of self-awareness, or, or if they do, they're keeping it to themselves. So, you know, if Backstrom comes back in Game 5, that helps the Capitals immensely. Uh, if he doesn't come back, they can, they've can they proven that they can still play well and win without him. But um, but it really is much more about what the Islanders can do from the start of the game and to, through the end of the game. Um, I, think, uh, I think maybe the Barry Trotz was right that it came a little too easy, like I said, in the beginning of Game 4. I don't think that's a way that the Islanders are comfortable playing. They like to be in those tight games. And even as bad as they played in Game 4, it was a... It was a tie game into the third period. It was a one-goal game after that. They didn't generate a ton until late in the third, but um, but they uh, but it was still you know it was it was a coin flip game either way. So uh, there's still a lot to be encouraged by in the Islanders' play overall, and I think uh, the fact that they've done this the majority of the time played as well as they played, especially at five on five, I think they can get back to it. So um, as far as changes go. You know, I wrote a story that posted uh, earlier today, speculating on some. If Clutterbuck is fine, he's going to be in. That's not a guy. Even even if he's 80%, he's he needs to be in there. There's nobody that the Islanders have on their taxi squad right now that's that's more valuable than than a than a four-fifths of Cal Clutterbuck. So if he says he's good to go, he'll be in. I can't see any other changes up front. If Clutterbuck is there, they'll they'll continue on with what they've been doing, which is uh, kind of cutting down to nine or 10 forwards late in the, you know, as the game progresses and, and having that Pajot Clutterbuck Sezekis line as a, as a basically a third line, um, when they're getting rolling and and giving some, you know, keeping Matt Martin, keeping Leo Komarov, keeping Derek Broussard on the bench. Um, so on D though, I, I could see Johnny Boychuk coming in, you know, I think, um, Obviously, there's, it's not necessarily panic on the Islanders' part to make a change, but Johnny Boychuk has been a big part of this team for a long, long time, six years now. Um, he got hurt in Game 1 against Florida, lost his spot, and Andy Green has been very good. Uh, I thought their D as a whole in Game 4 looked a little sluggish. Uh, we identified Adam Pellick looking a little tired. Scott Mayfield, I thought, you know, especially with uh, you know, he seemed a little banged up after that hit from Tom Wilson that drew a, a boarding penalty in the third period. Um, so it wouldn't hurt to have some fresh legs in there. And even though Johnny Boychuk is 36 now, um, he still has shown throughout his career when he is fully healthy and has some time to rest that he can be effective. And I think, uh, 2015 was a long time ago, but you can recall that Alex Ovechkin did not, was not the guy that beat the Islanders in that series. It was, Backstrom was really the best player for the Caps uh, in that seven game series. And Ovechkin had a lot of frustration with Boychuk. Boychuk was physical with him. Boychuk was perfectly willing to eat one of those big ov bombs from his spot on the power play. So if you've, you know, if you're Barry Trotz, it's a difficult decision. But I don't think it's as difficult as it would be the other way if Boychuk were struggling and you had Andy Green waiting in the wings. You know what you get with Boychuk. You know what he means to this to this team, to this to that defense group. Uh, he's certainly a guy who's uh, considered a, a leader and a senior person among them. So uh, I suspect that Boychuk will go back in for, for Andy Green. I certainly wouldn't be surprised either way, but uh, that would be the change that that uh, I would imagine the, the Islanders would make for Game 5. And now as you look, like I said, further down, um, we don't want to assume anything, but if they lose Game 5, then you've got Game 6 Saturday, Game 7 potentially Sunday. And that, and that throws some interesting... Uh, you know, you go down a few rabbit holes with that. Obviously, uh, when you're up 3-0 and you start to get let the team get off the mat a little bit, it gets more. You know, the the uh, collar feels a little tighter, uh, and things get a little more nerve wracking. But it, it, there's a real choice there for for Barry Trotz. He's got Thomas Grace, who hasn't played yet, uh, up in the up in the bubble. Other than I think a period against the the Rangers in the exhibition a couple weeks ago, you've got back to back games, game six and seven. You'll have Varlamov coming off a loss. Um, Do you make the switch for game six, planning that the change in goal might help you close things out, having someone fresher in net, and then you have a fresher number one goalie for game seven? Do you go with Varlamov for game six and then gamble that he can go back to back uh, even after three straight losses for game seven? Um, Not things that you want to spend too much time thinking about because it it'll dent your confidence a little bit for the now, but uh, coaches have to plan for every eventuality. So I'm sure that they already have a plan in place. If it were me and I was the coach, I would probably go with Grice in game six because a little change might might snap everybody awake. And then if God forbid you lose again, you can go back to Varlamov on normal rest for game seven and have a fresh guy. And you know, Washington's going to ride Brayton Holpe the whole way. So maybe you get that the, you know you have the fresher goalie for that last game and you can you can stem the bleeding a little bit but um first things first they've got uh they've got a game 5 that they can win and close out the caps and i and i do believe that if they get to their game stay out of the penalty box early um you know keep the caps from getting their confidence and, and frustrate them as they'd been doing a lot in the first three games that uh that you're going to get demoralized as a team that's down three-one. Maybe you fall down a goal, or or just feel frustrated. I think there's there's definitely some guys outside of Ovechkin. You know, Kuznetsov has been kind of in and out in terms of his focus. We haven't seen much from TJ Oshie outside of that first game. There's some guys that can be taken out of that game by the frustration part, the way by the way the Islanders play. So um, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, game five, but uh, like I said, I like the Islanders' chances and uh, you don't want to think too much about the weekend. So we'll come back with one more thought, but first a word from DraftKings. Sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of basketball's playoffs, and that's having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season. Now it's time to crown a champion, and DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a free $10 bet. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter betting, and so much more. Plus, don't forget about hockey's playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotions all week long to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. You can deposit and withdraw funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all users can get a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code QUICK only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we'll wrap up here with uh, playing uh, Prognosticator a little bit. <clears throat> we don't know the results of some of the other series yet. Uh, as we're recording this, Tampa and Columbus are playing a game with... Uh, Lightning up 3-1. Boston and Carolina are going to play with Bruins up 3-1. Philly could close out Montreal. So basically every other East series could be done by the time uh, the Islanders take the ice on Thursday for Game 5. And if they all end that way and the Islanders do advance, they get the Flyers. Um, I don't think uh, anybody has much of a rooting interest, um, but if you're picking from among Philly, Tampa, and Boston for an Islanders matchup in the next round, I think most people would say they'd take the Flyers. They've had some success against them this year. Um, Flyers are obviously a very different team, I think, now than they were back in the beginning of the season when Alan Vigneault was first kind of getting his feet wet with them. Um, Carter Hart has a lot more experience than he did at the beginning of the year. But um, but I think watching the way the Flyers have played to get to this point, and if they do eliminate the Canadians, it'd probably be another low-scoring game. I don't think the Canadians have scored a goal in the last two. Um, but the Canadians don't don't have the same sort of structure and style the Islanders do. I think it would be an interesting uh, matchup between Philly and the Islanders, not very wide open at all, but uh, kind of a match of two teams that know how to pack it in in front of their own net and and play conservative um, when they need to, and then try to counter attack. And uh, I think skill wise Philly maybe has a bit of an edge in terms of their, their higher end guys, but, um, but I think they're, it's a pretty evenly matched, uh, group and and certainly in net with with heart we'll see if he can uh keep it going and deep into this tournament as a rookie um second year player rather but um but i think you have to like that matchup more than facing a tampa team that has so many weapons and uh and a bruins team that always seems to just give the islanders fits even with tucaresk not there and old friend yarrow halak in net um, that's probably the only other matchup, you know, of the other two teams, I probably would have ranked Boston next just because it's Halak. And, um, you know, I think the Islanders know that he, uh, is still a very good goalie, but, uh, but has, has shown some, uh, some ability to get taken out of his game a little bit. And I think his, uh, his game four against Carolina, where he really wasn't very good and gave up a couple of bad goals and the Bruins still managed to come back and win shows that, uh. Uh, if the Islanders could play their style and, and keep the Bruins off the board, that they could uh, they could get a couple of uh, softies on on Halak. But but if it's Philly, uh, I think it's a good matchup for the Islanders. I think it'd be a long series. It'd be a low scoring series. I don't think uh, there's going to be a lot of national commentators that are going to weigh in on how great it is and how exciting it is. But um, but if the Islanders can uh, can close out Washington and and face Philly, I think uh, I think they've got a good chance to get to the to get to the conference finals the way they've been playing. So. Uh, again, still speculating right now, and when we get back with you uh, next week, we're going to have, hopefully, a very special guest to talk about uh, what we've seen so far in the bubble the first few weeks and uh, see where the Islanders are, if they've uh, if they managed to close things out, or if we're going to be having one of the most uh, depressing uh, wrap-ups that we've had, <laughs> I think, in my time covering the Islanders, uh, blowing a 3 nothing lead would be... Uh, would be something and uh, might have to shut my twitter account down for a little bit after that but anyway in addition to wednesday with pierre LeBrun, our scott burnside has a daily playoff edition of two-man advantage monday tuesday thursday and friday released at 10 a.m eastern throughout the 2020 stanley cup playoffs plus some of the athletics best hockey writers stop by to help break down the games and look ahead only at the athletic make sure you check out the comment section for each podcast at the athletic app Don't forget to rate and subscribe No Sleep Till Belmont on Apple. If you click on the show URL, that's theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you again next week.